Hello and welcome to the DC Wash Up. We are back after a short little Thanksgiving break. I hope you missed us. I am producer Roscoe Whalen, and joining me in the studio today is North America correspondent Stephanie March. Hello. And for the final time, <laughs> it is producer Brooke Wiley. Hi. Bye. No! <laughs> and that's the podcast for today. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Um, no, Brooke is leaving us after what? 18 months? 20 yeah, months? Yeah, two years. We can claim two years. Mm. We round up in this bureau. So. <laughs> so two years, which is a long time in this bureau. So It's a long time under the Trump administration and the 2016 <laughs> election, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what, Trump administration years, that's like a decade of service. <laughs> yeah. So we thank you for that. Um, we'll have the sad thank you at the end. But today, <laughs> as a very special treat for Brooke... As a tribute to her favourite podcast from last year and probably yes. some of yours, it is the magic hat of topics. Ten topics, two minutes per topic. Today we're going to go through everything that's happened yes. this week in the Trump administration and around America because there are many, many topics that we can talk about. I'm scared of that hat. You're scared of that <laughs> I'm a bit scared of that hat as well. If, but I really if we don't like the topic, we just we just say just pass and move it. on. So and I'm going to let Brooke pick first. Okay, okay. Oh, okay, goodness. here we All go, right, I'm going in, I'm going in. <gasps> Topic Gosh, number I hope I get one. Meghan Markle because that's all I care about. <laughs> not tax reform. <laughs> exactly. Time person of the year. Oh, oh, this is a good one. Who wants to start us off? I think, can I, oh, can I handball you, you can to handball. you, Roscoe? Because sure. I know that you were following this story this Time week. person of the year is a great story. And one where I set the scene that Donald Trump has been a very busy president on social media for the past week. He oh, has been yeah. tweeting mm. Like, absolute crazy. And the tweet we woke up to six days ago was, Time magazine called to say that I was probably going to be named man, person, of the year, like last year, but I would have to agree to an interview and a major photo shoot. I said probably is no good and took a pass. Thanks anyway. (laughs) Thanks for sharing, Donald. So, um, fact-checked by Time magazine. (laughs) Ba-bow. Did not happen. Or sort of happened, but not... Wasn't it a former editor came out and said, you know what, if we said probably, that means probably not. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just interesting, the, um, the need to share. And I just, I just I wonder, like, you know, I think they said people that do get nominated for Time Person of the Year probably make the short list of people of the year. And it's arguable that Donald Trump is, once again, the most influential person on the planet. Mm. Um, what do you think's behind him telling everyone... Six days ago, during the Thanksgiving weekend. Well, I think it's the same thing that's always behind every decision that he makes on social media, especially when he's talking about himself, uh, and that is largely about his ego. (laughs) I think that's Mm. just about him spreading the word that he is wanted and adored and loved. But I do like that this is, I mean, how many times has Time had to fact check something that Trump's done in relation Mm. to Time? Remember the Time magazine fake covers that were all over Mar-a-Lago? There's four. I think there were four times that he faked a Time magazine cover. (laughs) Which is extraordinary. And I've seen many great goof, um, spoof Time Magazine covers since then, one including Person of the Year, and it's a screenshot of that woman that was on the bike that gave the bird (laughs) to the Trump motorcade. I feel like this topic's a very fun and light one to start on. But yeah, Time Magazine person of the year. She was so unlikely to be doing that. (laughs) I'm just reading now that the tweet from Time was, the president is incorrect about how we choose Time Person of the Year. Time does not comment on our choice until publication, which is December 6th. Well, there you go. That's the fact check. All right, moving on. Let's go to topic number two. Stephanie March, you want to get in here? 
Oh, da 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 da. Rexit. Oh, yes. good one. Good okay, one. and the story of the day. Steph, Indeed. start us off. You've been covering this one all day. What's Rexit. What is Rexit? Um, <laughs> Rexit is a great word, so let's say that a few more times. Um, Rexit is the speculation uh, that's been going on for quite some time now that Rex Tillerson is going to get the sack. Now, what happened today was multiple US media outlets uh, revealed that the White House Chief of Staff, John Kelly, has apparently drawn up a plan for Tillerson's ouster, which would involve replacing him with CIA Director Mike Pompeo and replacing Pompeo with Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas. Um, so this is something that's been like bubbling around the room mills for a while, but to actually have uh, reports of a plan and a timeline um, is a development. And also, given the opportunity, Donald Trump, Sarah Sanders, uh, his press secretary, to refute that and say, no, we have full confidence in Rex Tillerson, he's our man, uh, they chose not to do that. So I think it's it's interesting and I think we'll learn a lot more in the next couple of weeks. Are mm. we going to have a Reince Priebus type moment mm. where we see the end of Rex very quickly or are we going to have a Jeff Sessions moment <laughs> where six months later we forgot that we were beleaguered and not doing a good job in the president's eyes? Mm. Or is it a Spicer moment? I mean, there's so many to choose <clears throat> from. Right. It's probably not going to be a The Mooch moment. I think it's already exceeded. I do kind of feel like the whole purpose of this was really just um, a test of uh, public sentiment around that decision in some ways. Like... Mm. Um, I think we were talking about it a little earlier in the office, but just the way that this was described as a White House spokesperson um, making those comments about Rex Tillerson's future was slightly different from sources who refused to be named, which is some of the language that we will see. So it kind of says to me that this really did come from the White House and the White House are testing the waters about how it's received. But it was also really confusing because Mattis was like, no, no truth to it. Heather Nowitt at the State Department was like, nope, no truth to it. We got a call from Kelly today saying there was no truth to it. So just very mixed messaging from the administration on it. Um, Steph, the President and the Secretary of State have been at loggerheads before, actually repeatedly throughout the year. Um, The State Department says, you know, that's part of the relationship. Is he someone that challenges the President? But given he's the Secretary of State, the chief diplomat of America, they haven't been able to see eye to eye on a number of Mm. foreign matters. Yeah, and I think it's problematic when one is seen to be undermining the other. And Mm -hmm. they've reportedly disagreed on uh, the Paris climate deal, Tillerson wanted to stay in, Trump pulled out. The Iran nuclear deal, Tillerson wanted to keep the status quo, Trump wanted to pull out. Um, A number of things dealing with the blockade of Qatar, dealing with North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un. And on that last one, Trump publicly rebuked Tillerson in a tweet saying that Tillerson was wasting his time trying to negotiate with Kim Jong-un. And then we've got on the other side Rex Tillerson refusing to categorically confirm or deny reports that in a meeting with top officials he called the president a moron. Mm. So their personal dislike for each other is something that's been sort of known for a while and it is a dysfunctional... I mean, I imagine that, you know, obviously there's it's good to have disagreements in a setting like that, but when you're disagreeing about so many things and contradicting each other's messages publicly, that becomes problematic for America's broader image. And I think what's interesting as well is there's reports that Rex Tillerson 
had always said he'd do at least a year in the job, which would take us up to February, um, and that way he could sort of save face and get out of it. And, I mean, Rex Tillerson is one of these people, a bit like a Malcolm Turnbull, people sort of say he doesn't really need this. He's not mm. a career politician. He was a former CEO of ExxonMobil. He's probably sitting on piles of cash and gold, you know, like he's he doesn't <laughs> no, he's need doing it. it for service. <laughs> yeah, he's doing it for public service. And, I mean, when the president asks, you say yes. So, um, yeah, I'd, it... it all the sort of, you know, cards stack up towards it not being a completely fake news story. Mm. And it gives them an opportunity as well. And maybe I'm getting a bit too conspiracy theory here, but um, uh, an opportunity to fill that Arkansas seat by the Republican governor. I think that's right, that the Republican governor would be in a position to fill Cotton's seat if it is exactly mm. the, the um, you know, train that they talked about. So in that sense, they also really need a Republican that they want there in like that they can rely on to fill that. The problem with that is though that would then mean the seat comes up for re-election in 2018 as opposed to 2020 if Cotton stays. Mm. Mm. So it could be problematic for them as well. But I think the other thing interesting as you say about what happens down the chain is you then get Pompeo um, who's you know a foreign policy hardliner, hardline on Iran, much more in line with Donald Trump's views about those sorts of things. And then you get Tom Cotton as the head of the CIA, um, someone who's only been in Congress for two years, who is pro-torture and who people from the CIA, former CIA agents have described as woefully underqualified for the job um, and a very devout Trump loyalist. So Pretty sceptical in the Russia situation yeah, as well. Yeah, and the CIA, yeah, is one of the intelligence agencies that has to deal with the Russia investigation. So so watch this space. Mm. Next topic. It's your turn, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going I get to do the shuffling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm going to shake it. I'm going to shake it. There you go. Oh, and what do I have? <clears throat> Pocahontas. Oh. And I can only say it because that is how everyone knows the topic. So Donald Trump once again this week referring to Elizabeth Warren as Pocahontas. In front of Native American code talkers. Yeah, it's kind of the peak of inappropriate, really. Isn't yeah, it? is Gosh. racist not racist? Who wants to start? Mm. Utterly inappropriate at the very least. To say the least, yeah. yeah. Do you want to build um, on that? <laughs> I mean, I think it's been pretty widely described as a racial slur. If Except by the White House. Except by the Correct. White House, um, who have denied that it's a racial slur. Um one of the things that was so stunning about this moment is that so these code talkers, they go into the White House, they uh, were instrumental <laughs> in um, developing a code that couldn't be cracked during World War Two, yeah. and uh, by using uh, a Navajo language. They've been honoured. They go in. It's very clear that these particular code talkers that have been uh, that are being honoured are big Trump supporters. They were very vocal right from the minute they walked in, and once the cameras started rolling about how great President Trump was and you're making America great again, had all the right lines. So these people were very receptive to the president. They were certainly not a hostile um, trio mm. in that sense. Uh, and then he makes this joke and it just falls completely flat. Even the the most outspoken of the men who are being honoured, uh, who was most outspokenly supportive of the president, just sort of, fro like his face was kind of like frozen. Mm. Like he just kind of didn't react to it, just sort of was like, mm. like yeah. you could see the tension in yeah. his sort of face, which was really <clears throat> odd. And then, of course, Sarah Sanders had the unfortunate job of 
having to roll out into the White House press briefing room and defend the comments almost immediately afterwards. And what was the take why why it wasn't racist? Is it because... Um, because Elizabeth Poco- Warren's um, heritage is within question or has been in question by the right? Or? So the the White House says that Elizabeth Warren lied about her heritage and she, there are some... Uh, Essentially she wasn't able her- to prove that she has which Native is a different heritage, thing which do. is something mm-hmm. she claims. Mm-hmm. Right. So then, the, but the question about whether saying Pocahontas is a racial slur the White House argued, I mean, Pocahontas as a character was sort of described as a hero, how, like, what, right. her, what her actual role was. Um, and I just don't know enough about this legend to go into it, the details <laughs> of it, but you can look it up. Anyway, um, so the White House sort of says, well, you know, no, Pocahontas was a hero. But then, obviously, if he, if he is making fun of Elizabeth Warren and calling her Pocahontas is his way of doing that, then he means it as an offensive term. Right. And I think like, I think some of the relatives of some of the code talkers that were there were sort of dumbfounded and said he doesn't really understand, the, as you say, the difference of what Pocahontas did as a, you know, mm. trying to bridge the gap, I think, with the British or something. Mm. Mm. And then, um, you know, it's a completely different tribe that these men were a part of as code talkers and that's obviously the same as Indigenous tribes in Australia. There's, there's a great deal of difference and mm. obviously just shows absolutely no nuance yes. or understanding whatsoever about the history of Native American I people. think that's what um, Elizabeth Warren said. You know, that's not going to shut me up. He thinks it's going to mm. shut me up. He's tried it before. But in the end, this was meant to be a, a ceremony honouring these code talkers and he's done the exact opposite by making this quip. Mm. Next topic. We're going way over two minutes each. I know. We? Okay, we've got to speed it up, speed it up. It's <laughs> okay. Wiley. All right. Well, what's that? We don't have time for tax reform. Oh, what about <laughs> Fake news trophy. Oh, this okay. is this is good. It was a bit of a week. Oh, sorry. I this is actually this. your topic, Brooke. I, I feel like I just jumped in <laughs> straight away. Oh, we're talking about I completely about missed this. You have to Sarah, tell me in front. Right? Are we talking about Sarah? Uh, is we're that talking where about we landed? Well, there's many. What bits, does fake but, news trophy mean? There's so uh, many trophies. Let me, oh, CNN. <clears throat> okay, no, NBC. Tweet from three days ago. Oh, I can't remember them. This all. is the, more than two. <laughs> uh, more than 140 characters has really opened up <laughs> many other opportunities here. <clears throat> At least you don't have to wait 45 minutes for him to finish the thought, like you did when it was 180. We should have a contest as to which of the networks, oh. Oh, that's right. yeah. plus CNN, and not including Fox, is the most dishonest, corrupt, and or distorted in its political coverage of your favourite pre- president, me. <laughs> they are all bad. Winner to receive the fake news trophy, all in caps. Um, curious about when said contest will occur. Uh, who will be the judge? Who will be the judge, <laughs> jury, and executioner by the looks of how Donald Trump treats the media? And more seriously, what kind of implications this has? We saw CNN this week running a series on TV basically saying, hey, Mr. President, check out what we've been doing around the world, <coughs> bringing the news to you from all these disaster zones, you know, one of the most heralded institutions for international news. Um, and how dare you kind of consider us... The, like, people shed blood at CNN International to mm. bring to report. And for all news organisations. And for all news organisations, yeah. Mm. But to, and to 
particularly call out CNN again. I guess the question here is, and we did see a little bit of it, I can't remember exactly what story, but one of the stories in Africa um, that CNN had done about slavery, one of the um, leaders of one of those countries then turned around and said, yeah, well, we think that fake we think that report is not real now and earlier it had already triggered some international change earlier this year. Now they've turned around and questioned the legitimacy of it because the President of the United States questions the legitimacy of them. How dangerous is what Donald Trump, this war Donald Trump is waging on CNN and other networks? I think it's as dangerous as the as people give credit to it, right? I mean, if if foreign leaders of other nations are, are allowing Trump to set the standard and tone of what isn't isn't truth, um, then that's that has some really serious implications. Um, but if it's simply um, within the domestic market, whether people believe him or not, well, a lot of people. I mean, there are plenty of Trump supporters who do believe what the president says, but I think the majority of Americans, you know, can tell the difference between an apple and an orange. Steph, we kind of actually were talking about this as part of some of your other work today is the we reporting were. on... Well, we, we, we were. And, and, you know, people stay tuned cross-promotion <laughs> for correspondence report oh, right. in a we week's were. time. Yeah, okay. Thank you. And part of what you were talking about was reflecting on a year under Trump and how yeah. we would approach reporting on Donald Trump and how the tweets will just be tweets. We will only act when he does something. Or that was at least a kind of early mission. That Are lasted the... for two seconds. <laughs> right. Are the tweets actually the most powerful and important thing that this president has done? I think in some ways, and in this particular context, like his perpetual railing against the mainstream media, other than Fox, is um, actually, it is kind of dangerous in the sense that it's it's very contradictory that he dismisses the what he calls the failing New York Times and fake news CNN. He constantly feels the need to defend himself against them. So even though he insists that they're losing viewers and no one cares about them, he still feels the need to defend himself um, to these imaginary viewers who apparently don't exist. So I see there's a contradiction there. And in terms of his motivation, I, I feel like it's probably just an extension of what you know, um, has been, commentators have said has been happening on the right for a while that, you know, people who watch Fox News and things like that have been fed for a very long time now in the commentary sections. Um, Essentially, this idea that the mainstream media is all fake, it's feeding you lies. And this just sort of constantly hammers that home and adds to the polarisation that you have in America where people in one part of America are watching Fox News um, and, you know, reading whatever, reading Breitbart. And in the other half, they're watching CNN, MSNBC and reading the New York Times and the Washington Post. And so I think to that extent, it does serve to keep that divide very alive and well, which is problematic, I think, when you've got two different sections of America, essentially, with two different sets of facts. I'm uh, full disclosure here. I've pulled a couple of topics out of the basket. And, um, <laughs> I was like one sentence seeing, each. <laughs> seeing that we're running out of time here. So, Steph, for your final pick, what do you got? Transatlantic tweets. Ooh. Oh, good um, alliteration okay. by whoever wrote these. Oh titles. no, um, <laughs> transatlantic tweets. See, once again, things that have Donald Trump has done on Twitter this week: three retweets early on Wednesday morning mm-hmm. from of. Steph, can you explain what these the, tweets were um, of? Early in the morning before we all woke up, Donald Trump 
retweeted three tweets from um, the head of Britain's far-right party, Britain First, one of them purportedly showing a immigrant bashing up a Dutch boy on crutches, one of them purportedly showing a Muslim man uh, smashing a statue of the Virgin Mary, and the third one reportedly a Muslim man pushing someone off a building and then beating him to death. And one of those, the first one, has been debunked. Um, the others are from, I think, Syria and Egypt uh, maybe four years ago um, and utterly uncontextualised in these tweets. So essentially he retweeted them and that caused an absolute furor um, across the trench um, from mainstream politicians in the UK, including Theresa May, the British Prime Minister, essentially saying it was irresponsible. Um, and then back here in the United States, you had Muslim groups essentially saying what Donald Trump is doing is he is putting our lives in danger because he's normalising, you know, this this sort of violence um, towards us. And so it, he's really just, yeah, created... And now there's British politicians calling for the Prime Minister to revoke her invitation for him to come to the UK. So it's, it's quite time. extraordinary. Yeah. And, like, the White House, you know, their explanation on it is... Um, well, he's focused on border security and secure borders, and he thinks there's a threat out there. Um, they've refused to say whether or not he verified these videos. They've refused to say where he got them from, how he found them, if he regularly consumes this type of media. Um, and there are just a lot of questions that kind of go unanswered. The guy's got 44 million followers, is yeah. that right? Like, there are a lot of questions I think that need to be asked still about this. Is it right that Sarah Sanders yesterday said, but the, the videos are real, the acts are real? Did she say I that think, in no, a press think, briefing yesterday? I, I think thought I heard her kind of argument was, even if they aren't real, the point is real, which is national security is a big problem. Yeah, I don't think she explicitly said, even if they're not real. She sort of refused to talk about the actual oh, I thought I legitimacy just, of them. But yeah, I just think it's really... You can apply your own set of facts or circumstances to a video. Well, I it's mean, sort of like taking them out of... Not putting them in context... Is actually... Is a bit, you know, sort of irresponsible maybe anyway. And I think at the same time as he tweeted those immediately after, he had a crack at American mm. news networks again, mm. um, criticising them for their dissemination of fake news. I mean, he had literally retweeted fake news <laughs> before it, which is... Um, oh, God. Interesting. Uh, okay, we've got two more topics. All right. Second to last one is the sick puppy strikes again. Oh. So... Kim Jong-un, once again, after a two-month hiatus, has um, launched another missile. It um, was the first time since the US had put them back on the state-sponsored uh, sponsor of terror list um, and basically put the whole world on edge once again. Steph, what's the significance of this strike itself? So this strike, uh, this missile test, we should say, um, was an intercontinental ballistic missile and it went higher than any North Korean rocket has ever gone before and that has led experts to say it suggests they now have a rocket that is capable of going far enough if um, on a horizontal trajectory that it could hit the mainland United States. Uh, it's still a big question mark as to whether it could carry a big heavy nuclear warhead while doing so or if it would survive re-entry, but it is a big step in North Korea's nuclear program uh, and development. Brooke, uh, you actually were out on the streets today <laughs> meeting some oh, yeah. punters. What's everyone's, what's the common DC resident's opinion on the latest <laughs> um, provocative move from the North Korean regime? 
Uh, I think that a lot of the attitudes that I, of the people that I spoke to today, which were somewhat predictable um, given their age group and their location, but they felt that the president himself had escalated the situation uh, and pretty aggressively seemed to be of the view that if he would just get off Twitter things might calm down and there should be more diplomatic inroads met uh, or made to try and resolve the crisis. And, you know, that's not terribly surprising, although it is kind of surprising that um, even when North Korea is the agitator, the president still gets the blame from... Still agitating himself. Yeah, like, you know, DC peeps are still very frustrated with the president's contribution to that. Mm. Um, but in any case, there was a lot of concern about how um, the situation had escalated in recent months. And it and it, it did seem to be something that people were, were suddenly now taking a little bit more seriously, given the capacity of this missile to actually reach not just America, but specifically the east coast of America, where we are located. I was amazed when two days ago, was it, that it, they fired it off? And it was in the air for 53 minutes, so we obviously all heard that they'd fired a rocket and it took a long time to land. Mm. Um, and I was at the physiotherapist. I was amazed. There was like six people in there and they were all glued to the television, mm. um, six Americans. And I just, I don't know, I didn't realise how, I suppose, um, across the, you know, incremental developments people actually are here. And as you say, Brooke, especially now that it has the capability mm. to actually hit the US mainland. One of the things that was kind of freaky being in the office was that we knew it had taken off and at first we didn't know that it was still in the air but we were trying to find out where it had landed mm. just like on the presumption that this thing had happened and ended mm. and then you know moments later when we realized no this thing is still in the air right. that was a really weird moment yeah. cuz usually they only anyway, go for like 20 minutes well, and I mean, you kind of know ordinarily we get news like after it's happened right in some cases like yeah. but the the way the 24-hour cycle works now and the like speed with which we get information that this thing can take off and we can all just look to the skies and wonder where it's going to land was a really mm. weird kind of surreal feeling, I thought. It's gone from the length of a Seinfeld episode to like a Mad Men episode. And once we get into the <laughs> HBO... Is length, that what you're going to do when well, Nuclear War comes? You're going to be like, I've got 50 minutes, which episode can, should I rewatch? Can I binge watch three episodes of Seinfeld or can I <laughs> just watch one really solid episode of Game of Thrones? I reckon I'd smash um, out two family guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we have one final topic in there. Brooke, we're going to let you pick it because it is... You only left oh. one in here, so I had to pick, <laughs> so to pick it. Uh, my topic was creepy Congress, and uh, yeah. that, of course, relates to even more uh, allegations of sexual harassment and assault and bullying within the halls of Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week it was Rep John Conyers um, following Al Franken, mm-hmm. uh, and the allegations obviously come in the wake of what started it well what probably started with Donald Trump but what gained momentum with Weinstein has now just kind of infiltrated all sectors of American society and they weren't the only ones either this week more media mm-hmm. men were caught up in mm-hmm. the sexual assault storm Steph yeah Matt Lauer NBC Today show host mm-hmm. veteran anchor he's been America's been waking up to him for 20 years um was yeah booted for allegations of misconduct and another two allegations have emerged, and they're pretty gross, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And that, what, is a week after Charlie Rose from CBS got yeah. the sack and yeah. Bill O'Reilly yes, from Fox yeah, a couple months yeah. ago and then, um, yeah, dropping, Mark like, Halperin, yeah. flies. Yes. And um, the stories are, I mean, 
in order for these stories to get much traction, it seems like media outlets are going to great lengths to be able to come up with a couple of unrelated individuals who can say the same thing happened to mm. me and verify those cases against, you know, their friends and their family who they may have spoken to at the time. I mean, the Charlie Rose stuff, mm. him just like being with staff and like walking out of the shower naked while Parading staff around, were in the room. Yeah. It's just crazy allegations. I mean, it's, I mean, not crazy as in unbelievable, just like extraordinary, extraordinary right. to hear. From one man to other men, what on earth are you doing? This just, I mean, Roscoe, even if, it's if we half... could get through one day in the office with you not walking out into the oh, bureau God. with eight clothes on. That does not That happen. doesn't really happen. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I think that's not the last of the topics we're going to... What are the other topics? I'm just curious, just to know what we missed okay. out on. Right. Oh, we had creepy media was one okay. of the topics. Um, creepy media. Oh, we yeah. covered that. So, I, yeah, I did, um, I had media men in there. Mm, yeah. We had Russia investigation and oh, life, death and taxes. Oh, gosh. Thank <laughs> God. So we did pretty well, actually. We, we came out of that pretty well. Well, that's going to be the end of the podcast today and actually the final time that we have Ooh. Ms. Brooke Wiley with us on the show, a staple of the DC wash-up <laughs> for the past two years. You've literally held it together most of because the time. Because <laughs> if any, anyone's ever going to be here, it's either Brooke or myself and... I we will miss you so much, and I will um, always be thankful for you being here for a high five changeover at four in the morning when either <laughs> Ted Cruz has dropped out of the race. Um, there's been an airstrike on Syria within the first hundred days of Donald Trump's presidency, um, and I also be um, I'm so thankful for all those times when I went away and big stories broke hours after <laughs> I left. I'm thinking Charlottesville, Dallas shooting, That's and uh, Las Vegas shooting. Just three that come to mind. Just three. Um, you have kept this bureau together for the last two years and we are so thankful and we're so sad to see you go. We are. And thank you you for this podcast. As you and I have discussed before, whatever you host, we seem to have the grimmest of topics. Oh, so bad. (laughs) Thank you for holding it together. Thank you for taking phone calls from places like Las Vegas when some someone's on holiday um, whoops, um, and taking our phone calls and our craziness and helping us out and yeah, staying course. till late and coming in early and all that amazing stuff. Mm, very um, kind of you guys. And I hope you get a relatively normal houred uh, sort of lifestyle because <laughs> this one sure as hell hasn't been. So, uh, yes, yeah. thank you. We'll miss um, you. I'll miss you guys too. Thank you for having me. It's um, been great. So just work out the time difference when you get back and when we are short on people for mm, the podcast. Yeah. Oh, darling. We had a midday record in <laughs> Sydney time. Yeah, yeah, that's not too inconvenient, is it? I mean, it's <laughs> as convenient as 7pm on a Thursday night, which it is right now. I feel like it's more likely you're going to be sending me the mix down and be like, can you just cut this? <laughs> <laughs> midday in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> Shotgun, not tonight. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you again next week.